I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I've been taken lately with the word apocalypse. Um, The context of the pandemic is apocalyptic. 2020 has been apocalyptic. And the usual meaning of that word means the kinds of things that we hear in today's gospel. The sun darkened, the moon turned to blood, the stars falling from the sky, and all these sort of crazy, scary, violent things. uh, supernatural uh, things. Uh, the, the, what's been interesting to me about that, though, is the, the meaning of apocalypse, you know, the, the actual word, uh, although it's associated in English with these supernatural and terrifying signs, the meaning of the word is to reveal things. Something is being covered, that, uh, being uncovered that was once covered. And so as we, we move through this season, and we, we've, we've just finished the season of the apocalypse that led up to uh, the, the reign of Christ as the pinnacle of that season, and we've just shifted into Advent, but the apocalyptic themes run through uninterrupted and in fact are accentuated as we move from the actual apocalypse season to the season of Advent. And the message could not be clearer that that the, 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 the experience of uncovering is precisely what the coming of Jesus was about. And the, the message for today is to say, when you see these signs, these terrifying supernatural signs, the message is that the Lord is near. And because the Lord is near, we need to keep awake. So this is the great theme of Advent. Keep awake. Don't fall asleep. And you say, well, how could I fall asleep in 2020 with all of this apocalyptic experience going on? Um, And so what I'm going to talk about today is the notion of spiritual sleepwalking, which um, can look very busy and very active and even aggressive. But the, the spiritual point is that there's a dulling or a sleeping of the spirit that prevents the, the true engagement, the, the wakefulness, the attentiveness to what God is doing or uncovering in the situation. And uh, you're in luck because spiritual sleepwalking happens to be a subject on which I am a particular expert. I know all about slumbering my way through my experience, my life, my work, and so forth. Um, and in times of comfort and plenty, that slumbering looks like sloth, uh, it looks like complacency, and uh, normally, if I were to um, to preach on this subject, I'd be more on the sort of Thanksgiving theme, where when you come into the land of pr- plenty, don't forget that the Lord your God has given you all of this. And so that kind of sleepwalking or slumbering is that, that complacent slumbering, where you don't need or want for anything, and so you forget your need of God. In an apocalyptic time, the sleepwalking has a different kind of flavor, um, but it, it, it's, it's fundamentally based in fear. All the things are so terrifying, and so we respond to fear by protecting ourselves from the feeling of terror. And we can do that in a few ways. Uh, the, the most obvious way is denial. We can deny that the terrible things are out there. We can stick our heads in the sand, as it were. We can say, uh, um, it's not really going to happen. And denial is something that all of us do from time to time. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the people I love. Whenever we are facing something that is scary, um, the, the first stage of grief is famously denial. No, it couldn't possibly be. I don't have that diagnosis. They must be wrong, etc., etc., etc. 
And in a pandemic, in this apocalyptic experience, there's no shortage of denial going around. We, we see it politically and in the news. It's not serious. It's just a flu. You know, these people wouldn't, would have died anyway. And all this kind of discussion, which from a more rational and fair uh, perspective, is complete denial about the seriousness of what we're all experiencing. But of course that very seriousness, the very apocalyptic nature of it, leads to the denial. Because what we can't do is face the fear and experience that fear. It's too scary for us. We feel like we will fall apart. So instinctively and unconsciously we move into a place of denial to protect ourselves from that feeling of fear. And we can become quite aggressive in protecting that denial. If you've ever tried to break through someone's denial, you'll know how aggressive we can be when someone tries to do that to us. Um, you have a problem with drinking. No, I don't, and don't even say that I do. And on go the examples. I can, you can fill them in yourself. Um, uh, on the Internet, when we try to argue with people and prove them wrong, good luck with that. Um, even if there is no foundation in fact for someone's point of view, the more the argument goes, the more uh, determined they seem to be to hang on to it. So the, the issue that underlies the denial is the fear, and those two together create a, a blockage, an, an inability to pay attention to reality, to the way things are. And if you can't even see reality, how then can you see what God is doing in that reality? What is being uncovered as a result? A second sleepwalking uh, technique, uh, again for the purpose of self-preservation and managing our own fear, is control. And again, guilty. I'm a terrible fixer. When someone is sad or upset or hurting, I feel hurt. I naturally feel badly when other people feel badly. But what I want to do is fix it. And so instantly I go into fix mode. And we've all had those, um, those conversations if we are in any long-term relationship or marriage. Uh, when one partner is telling about their, uh, their upset or their feelings, the worst thing for the other partner to do is say, well, here's what you should do. That'll fix it. Um, that's not what the partner wants. Um, but again, what that exposes is that the, the person hearing the sadness up and upset wants their own sadness and upset to go away. And it'll go away if we fix it. And so we see control tactics as another way to manage the fear and the anxiety in an apocalyptic time. And again, we see that writ large in our public experience right now. We want control. We want you to, people to do the things that will fix it. And we get angry when, uh, the, when the control that we desire to exercise on the situation is either um, uh, not taken seriously or not followed. And so we, we try to exercise control. We exercise political control, emotional control, intellectual control, and so on. And these are just two large examples of ways that we actually cut ourselves off from the reality uh, from, because it's painful. And we don't want to experience pain, it's natural. And so we, we have these coping mechanisms that control the pain, but in so doing, dull our perceptions. They, they impede our ability to relate to reality the way it really is. And so this, I would submit to you, is a form of spiritual sleepwalking. 
And that admonition in Advent to keep awake, even as this imagery of apocalypse carries on through this period, is precisely that challenge to stay alert to the pain, to the anxiety, to the fear, to what is actually happening, precisely in order to see what God may be uncovering in the midst of it. So how do we do this? How do we stay alert and present to what God may be doing in an apocalyptic time? One of the techniques that I, uh, I maintain and I continue to, uh, to, um, uh, to advocate for is a gratitude practice. And, uh, and, that, and when I say look for the good in the situation, wherever it may be, it, that could be misinterpreted as me saying, well, glass half full, glass amp- half empty. And it's not really, that, it's not really like that. It's not to say to, to, to stop focusing on the bad and only focus on the good, uh, because again, you need to focus on the bad. That's part of accepting reality the way it is. But, what, but why I think it's important is that there's a natural tendency for the attention to zoom in precisely on what is frightening, terrifying, and painful. And in fact, to block out the things that are hopeful and good and uh, perhaps life-giving. So a gratitude practice, a discipline of focusing on the blessings and, um, and what God may be doing in the situation is a way not of shifting attention so much as broadening it. I take for granted that we will not escape, if we are paying attention, all the things that are terrifying and, and, and upsetting. But in addition to that, that needs to be balanced out with all the things that are signs of hope and renewal and new life. And so a gratitude practice helps us focus and shape and have a disciplined way of paying attention and keep awake. The other nuance to this, um, this notion of staying focused and attentive to what God is doing um, is that, that to say that God only does nice things is, again, to, to shortchange what the day of the Lord is. The day of the Lord is a day of uncovering, and some of the, some of the things that are uncovered are beautiful and blessings, but some of the things are uncovered in, in order for them to be judged. These themes run together in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, that the day of the Lord is great and terrible because there is a judgment process that takes place in that day of the Lord as well. And um, I know that the word judgment uh, comes with all kinds of baggage where you have this idea of a judgy person that is busy telling everybody else what's wrong with them uh, and so forth. And that's not really um, the, the, the connotations that I'm looking for here. Um, the phrase that I prefer to get at that theme of judgment is moral clarity. And certainly in an apocalyptic time, some things that may have been obscure in more comfortable times become really, really morally clear. In this pandemic, there is a moral clarity available about what our priorities should be. What should our priorities be in our own lives? What should our priorities be in our communal life together? And precisely when things are scary and apocalyptic and threatening, that sharpens that moral clarity and in fact increases the ability to see that moral judgment in the way that God might. It is part of what is being uncovered in the apocalypse. So there is gratitude and there is moral clarity, both of which are features of staying awake 
in times of apocalypse. Finally, the, the, the last theme of the apocalypse that I want to, to finish on, because I think it undergirds all the rest of it, um, in the midst of the scary time, the scriptures are really clear that it, the apocalypse is a scary time and is threatening and dangerous. But the scriptures are also very clear that for Christians, the apocalypse is a hopeful time, that underneath it all is God's love and goodness. What is being uncovered, even in judgment, is for the working of God's purpose and the bringing about of peace and justice and righteousness. And so even in the uncovering of painful realities, there is a beauty to that and a blessing in that because only in uncovering the painful realities can we see through to the hope of the other side. When we look at the news and we see how awful it is and how clearly awful it is, we can then see that from the perspective of faith, God is uncovering this for us precisely so that we can see it with moral clarity and push towards what the kingdom looks like. And that is the, the final message of Advent, that in all the, the, the fear and the uncertainty and the danger of the season, what runs through the whole thing as the deepest theme is the theme of hope, that God is in the process of doing something new. And what God is doing is not going to look like a, uh, a great political leader, uh, a new emperor that's going to free Israel and, and, uh, 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 and create a, a new political military kingdom. That the, the hope and, the, and the, the new life comes from something as unlikely as a baby in a manger. And so where we fix our hope is to look into those places that are unlikely, overlooked, marginalized, impoverished. Because that is where we are able to see God's work most clearly. So I commend to you the season of Advent, a, an Advent practice, uh, reading, prayer, um, whatever, uh, whatever allows you to stay connected to that alertness that we are called to have at all times, but of course that Advent encourages us to focus on in a specific way. And so I commend an Advent discipline to you, whatever that may be for you, and I, I sent out an email to that effect with some ideas, and there are lots of other options for you to take advantage of. Um, but in the end, to stay alert, to penetrate our own denial and our need for control, and get through it to a clear appreciation of what God is uncovering, and then find through that the hope for what God may be doing in and through it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.